chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Of course, we've been preaching through the book of Jonah, and we've seen how that uh, Jonah ran from the presence of God in chapter 1 as the Lord wanted him to uh, go preach unto Nineveh. But God brought a confession out of him, and confession's good for the soul. It was a turnabout for him. And then in chapter number 2, he turns and repents, and uh, he spells relief by prayer, and he begins to pray, and God settles some things there. And then in chapter 3, he was able to go to meeting. That's where I like to go, is to meeting. And God began to move there. But now in chapter number 4, we want to pick up on uh, Jonah again after the meeting's over with. The Bible said, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Jonah's upset about a meeting. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Boy, that's a whole lot to know, ain't it? Mm-mm. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose and the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. It came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we want to pause at the end of this meeting and thank you for the much work that you have accomplished in our hearts. What a great privilege it has been for us to gather as we have been able to. And by faith, Lord, we want to praise you for that which you have done, both seen and unseen. And dear Father, we know that the seed of the gospel will continue to do its work long after these services. We pray that you would continue to work in the hearts of the saints. And Lord, that it would uh, weed its way down and sinners would, Lord, be able to see thy working and be saved. We thank you for all that you've accomplished. We bless thy name now. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And amen. <clears throat> I 
We've borrowed little phrases all week to introduce these messages. So I want to borrow a phrase from a little song tonight, and it's entitled, He's Still Working on Me. And I want to ask you, has the Lord ever worked on you? And uh, is he still working on you? The Bible said that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which means God works on us, as Jeremiah said, much like the potter does the clay. And uh, knowing myself like I know myself, God has a lot of work yet to do. That's why I'm not a finished product. He is still working on me. And what the book of Jonah is all about, it's not a book about a man on a journey and a decision to make and all these other things. But really the hard core of the book of Jonah is about a God who's working on his servant to bring out of him that which he wants and desires. God intends to work on us as his children day and night so that he can bring us to where he wants us brought. Now, there has been much said and written of the miracle of the book of Jonah, how that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. But you know, I don't think that's the greatest miracle in this book. I think the greatest miracle of all in the book of Jonah is how that Jonah came out of this ordeal being like Jesus. Amen. When I come to the New Testament and uh, I read the scriptures there in the book of Matthew, chapter 12 and verse 40 and verse 41, Jesus said as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, even so, like who? like Jesus, must Jesus be, or must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Now that blows my mind. If Jesus hadn't have said that, I'd have never thought of it. How that through these situations in the book of Jonah, that ultimately in the end, Jonah becomes a message of Jesus. Now, that also touches me because being a child of God and children of God as we are, going through this mess that we go through down here, it's going to be a marvel when the finished product is over and God Almighty has brought Jesus out of our lives, our situations, and our circumstances. I don't understand that, but he says he's going to do it. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter number 8, verse 29, the Bible said, For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. God intends on bringing Jesus out of Jonah. And God tonight intends on bringing Jesus out of you. And whatever the circumstances, the directions that he must take, he cares not. The most important thing this world needs to see is not you. They need to see Jesus. But God's got to work on you. That don't just show up. 
God had to work on Jonah and take him through some situations so that he could bring him to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you tonight, you can't go to Jonah without going to Jesus. Because when you read about Jonah and his three days and three nights, you're taken to Jesus. And you can't go to Jesus in three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, but what you're not taking to Jonah, they're brought together. God Almighty wants to work on you and work on me so that when people come to you, they can't come to you without coming to Jesus. Because God has brought Jesus out of your circumstances. I'm saying to you, He's still working on me. Christmas time, we sometimes pull a prank and wrap up presents in large boxes and then in larger boxes. You ever done that or had it done to you? So your loved one thinks they're getting something in a big box, but by the time they get to the bottom, they are totally surprised at what you have gotten them that is in such a small, but yet it is a precious gift, a small box. It reminds me of our lives. By the time that God gets done unwrapping and getting rid of all the junk that we've got in us and on us, we will be surprised that at the end of it all that Jesus will be seen clearly. But God's got a lot of work to do to get Jesus out of me and Jesus out of you. Now, there are three things that I want to point out to you along this line. I want you to notice with me, first of all, that in God's working on Jonah, first of all, he had to bring the beast out of Jonah. He had to bring the beast out of Jonah. Now, we have a lot of false religious concepts of God. And we think that if wherever God is, what he does is he keeps, keeps us on our tiptoes singing little melodies and our hands in the air praising God. But I'm going to tell you, there's more in you than that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm glad God can bring us to that place and lets us do that. But hey, there's more in you than that. Jonah is a pastor in Israel, and I'm sure that the folks could have told you, any one of them would have said, why, he's the finest preacher that we've ever had. But wait just a minute. Jonah has never been put in a predicament to where anything would uh, stress, be a stress upon him to bring out anything but a good preacher. And so God comes to this fine pastor one day and he brings the beast out of him. You say, well, how did he do that? He came to Jonah one day and he said, Jonah boy, get your sermon ready. You're going to Nineveh and you're going to preach up there to them folks. And this fine upstanding preacher got all cantankerous, and you can look here in the book and see what all came out of Jonah that would have surprised you to see that that would come out of Jonah. You say our preacher's running from God? I never thought he'd run from God. Yeah, but God turned the cat around and rubbed the fur the wrong way, and now he's not as sweet as what you thought that he was because God is bringing something out of Jonah that has always been there but nobody knew about it. You see, there's a lot of stuff in you that ain't like Jesus. 
And so what God's got to do is he's got to put you in a predicament and a situation, an ordeal, and stir up those ugly sentiments and they'll rise to the top because he's got to skim them off and get rid of them because they ain't like Jesus. God doesn't avoid the cancer of our religion. God doesn't talk around the sickness of our soul. But God will shake us up so he can cause that ugliness to rise up. And when he does, he intends on you dealing with it, and he's going to deal with it. He's still working on me, but the first thing he's got to do is bring the beast out of me. Honey, there's a lot of beast in there, I've found out. Did you know that God plants a tree in every man's garden? that becomes the kryptonite that will reveal how human that he is. Adam and Eve were fine, innocent folks until they got around the tree. And that tree revealed the potential that was in them. And I'm here to tell you that you can be, everybody can think that you are something and you can feel like you're something, but God Almighty knows how to find the bad that's in you and deal with it, and he wants to deal with the bad that's in you. And so he does. Isn't it amazing? Yes. I, I heard a preacher here a while back preaching, and he said that uh, he was pastoring a church, and it was coming along real good, but he said one of the men in the church got upset and, and come up to him and hit him on one side of the face. And this is a big old preacher. It got me interested. I said, well, what'd you do? <laughs> I want to see how holy he was. He said, I did what the Bible said. I turned the cheek. I said, you didn't. He said, I did. God being my witness. I said, what'd he do? said, he hit me on the other cheek. Now, he's a pastor. I said, what'd you do then? He said, I ain't going to tell you, but I went into evangelism. <laughs> well, I knew what that meant. He whooped up on that fella. <laughs> Well, you see, that fight was in him. There's a lot of stuff in you that you don't realize it's there. Hey, did you ever notice that the best dads in the world are the ones that don't have no sons? Because uh, <laughs> them sons can stir up that stuff in you. That's why God gave them to you. Did you ever notice the best moms in the world are the ones that can give advice is the ones that have no daughters. But honey, give them one about 16, 17 years old, and it'll bring the devil out of you. Huh? They'll come out of you actions and sayings and remarks that you'd never want recorded. You never thought they were in there. When you walked that aisle, you thought you and your husband were going to have a sweet marriage. But honey, before it's over with, there's a lot come out of you that you never knew was in there. Huh? You say things, do things, act ways. Oh, I'm here to tell you. God brought out the beast that was in Jonah as he desires to bring out the beast that is in you or the beast that is in me. There's so much in there and God wants to deal with that. And so that's why he allowed your neighbor to move the fence line. So you can find out what you would act like when he moved the fence line. Hmm? That's why that boss on the job come up and told you you wasn't getting that raise so he could see how you'd act. 
Oh, I'm a good Christian when it's sun's shining. All the bills are paid, none in the mailbox, and everything's so happy, and all my kids are doing right, and my church just gave me a raise, my cars. You ain't never seen a better Christian. I'm telling you the truth. Uh-huh, you let my youngins go haywire and let a bill come in and you let situations come about. You let somebody rub me in the wrong way and a deacon talk about me and it's going to be hell on earth. You say, well, how come? Because it's in there. And God ain't just being mean when he brings it out. It's got to be dealt with. Got to be dealt with. You would be nothing more than an old self-righteous Pharisee. You ever seen those people? Well, I'd never do. I, I'll tell you, I'm not like that. Uh, you won't say that long if you've been saved any length of time. God Almighty knows how to bring that out of you. He'll bust your hide a few times, rub the fur the wrong way, and before it's over with, you'll look and say, well, I can't say nothing. I'll just tell you the truth about it. I can't say nothing. Not the way I act. I can't say nothing. <laughs> No, I'm not telling you to go out there and act like renegades. <laughs> All I'm saying is you've got renegade in you, and God's going to bring it out and make you sweet, make you like Jesus. Huh? That's what it's going to do. You've got to deal with it. You've got to have that surgery. He's still working on me. He brought the beast out of Jonah. But then the second thing I want you to see is he's still working on me and that he brought out the best for Jonah. God's not just trying to be cruel to Jonah. When God ordains situations in our lives or he asks us to do things that we don't want to do or he puts people in our lives or places in our lives or circumstances in our lives that we don't like, he's not just being mean. Everything God does is good for you because the Bible said all things work together for good. You believe that? Honey! You had a flat tire tonight, it was good for you. Now that ain't easy to say if it's my tire. I can say it about yours, but I'll tell you, that's what the Bible said. There ain't nothing that can happen to you that's not good. Now that takes faith, but it's the truth. It's the truth. God not only brought out the beast in Jonah, but he brought out the best for Jonah. You see, Jonah learned some things here, and I'll tell you, there's not a price tag you can put on truth. Thank God for truth. But honey, you don't learn truth by reading books. You don't even learn truth by just studying this book. You learn truth by God taking you through some situations and teaching you that truth and burying truth in your heart. It was best for Jonah because he learned things here he would have never learned any other way. And I'm going to tell you, I don't like heartache. I don't like pain. I don't like discomforting situations. But I've learned more in those times than any other time. We learn more through the, through the afflictions of life than we'll learn through any other time. You see, you ever thought about what Jonah learned? Oh, boy, you couldn't move him on these truths. He learned these things, and no way can shake him. And I'll tell you, God wants to make us firm in our faith so that we really believe what we believe. And this old world can't shake us. And the way he does it is he, he does things in our lives that's best for us so we can learn something about him. You see, Jonah learned some things. He learned through these situations. He learned some things about God. It's always good to really know some things about God. That's best for you. 
Not just about religion. I'm glad tonight. I'm not just studying up on religion. I met God one day, and through the journey I've been with God, and through the circumstances I've learned something about God. He learned something about himself. You're talking about real psychology. God Almighty is the only one that can really teach you about yourself. And it's better for you to really know who you really are. And he learned some things here. Let me just mention a few of them along this line. He learned that disobedience never pays. If you ever went to, if you ever went to preacher Jonah after this, after this is all settled up, I, I don't know, I, I'm almost sure he went back and settled back in where he's preaching and everything. And no doubt he saw that same rebellion in some of his church members. And I can see him call them in. He'd say, now Bill, Sam, I want y'all to come in here. Joe, whoever, come in. I need to talk to you. Now listen, brother, I'm fixing to tell you something that I know firsthand. I've learned this through the situations of my life. Don't run from God because it won't ever pay. Disobedience never pays. He believed that, didn't he? I'm going to tell you, you don't just, again, you don't just pick that up. God has to teach you that disobedience never pays. He teaches us that. And it's a good lesson to learn that disobedience never pays. He learned something else. You can run from God, but you cannot hide. No, that's a great truth to learn. Where are you going to go? If you want to get away from God, I want to know where you're going to go. Jonah would tell you, honey, I went to the very doors of hell in the jaws of a whale, and I never could get away from God. And I'm here to tell you tonight, and some of you have got youngins, and some of you have got uh, loved ones that are running from God. The good hope is, is, that, is if they know God, though they may get away from you, they can never get away from Him. There's no place to hide. He learned that. I'll tell you, he also learned that God's Word never changes. The Word came to him in verse 1 and told him what to do. Of chapter 1, the Word came to him in chapter 3 and verse 1 and told him the same thing. He said, boys, this old book never changes. Boy, I wish some folks really believed that, don't you? These are some truths that I wish every church member I've got believed. (laughs) I wish I believed it like I ought to believe it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got to go through some things to believe that. And then the greatest thing that he ever learned is found in verse number 9 when he said, Salvation is of the Lord. Boy, what price tag would you put on that truth to learn that truth? But you see, God has to take you through. You know, conviction, I thought about a sinner. Conviction is never easy. Man, I'll tell you, thinking back on and if I back then I would have wished that there had been another way to get saved other than old-fashioned conviction that's terrible that's miserable but all it was through conviction that I learned that Jesus was Savior in Christ and thank God what a blessing it was best for me through conviction to learn that and I'm here to tell you God brought out the beast in Jonah and God brought out the best for Jonah the important things of life must be taught During the times of the storms, it's better, it's better, it's better. Whatever you're going through tonight, listen to me, whatever you're going through tonight, it's best for you. It's best for you. The only comfort that I have for you is saying, it's best for you. My heavenly Father knows what's best, and he makes all things beautiful in its time. It's best. God brought out the beast in Jonah. 
God brought out the best for Jonah, but then I want to close and wrap up everything that I've said this week by saying that God brought out the beloved in Jonah, the Lord Jesus. If I ask you tonight what the story of Jonah is all about, if you've been in church any length of time, you would hurriedly say that the meaning of the story of Jonah relates to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason it is so is because God, through his artful work, and I, I don't understand how God could work so minutely and infinitely and get everything in place just as it ought to be, and then when you see the picture, you see Jesus. Have you ever looked at those new, well, they're, they're not new anymore, but those il optical illusions, those paintings that, that they look like nothing when you look at them. And uh, folks used to tell me, they would say, no, if you look in there, you'll see a man in a boat and he's fishing and it's three-dimensional and he's got a fish. And, and have any, Raise your hand if you've seen any of those. And I, okay, oh boy, you've all looked at them. <laughs> they have them down here too, huh? Well, I, I, I said, well, if it's in there, it frustrated me. I said, if it's in there, I can't see it. I just can't see it. I just can't see it. And we'd go through the store, and I'd stand there, and my wife, she could see it just like that, and I'd just look and look. And then I got a little book of it, and I'd look and look. And then finally one day, you're talking about joy. I, I'm about to shout it. <laughs> I looked into one. And lo and behold, I saw the picture that was there, three-dimensional. I could see the ship. I could see the man. I could see the fish. Oh, I said, honey, I saw it. <laughs> I see it. But now, if you just switched your eyes and looked over and looked back, you'd lose it. You'd lose it. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't, you have to be looking. They tell us that, that what that is, you're not looking normal when you see those things. It's not the usual way that you look. And isn't it so in Christ when you look as we look, you, all you see is confusion, a bunch of dots, a meaningless piece of art. Somehow when you begin to see as God sees and begin to look as God looks at what God's doing and then you see beyond the now and beyond the circumstances and beyond the heartache and beyond the waters and beyond the worms and you look beyond all that's happening and all of a sudden you say, Look! In a running preacher on a ship with pagan sailors in a storm, swallowed by a whale, praying three days and three... Look beyond the chapters and see what is that? <laughs> look at that. Look. No, no, you, oh, you, no, don't just look at Jonah. Don't just, no, don't just look at Jonah. Don't just look at that ship. Don't just look at that. Look! That's Jesus in there. He's coming out of the grave. <laughs> you saw beyond into what was really happening. Oh, listen, all your sins the bits and pieces tonight. But one of these days, the veil will be turned back and we'll look beyond. Though we won't feel like shouting one, one day, honey, we'll shout it out at what God did in His glory. Seeing things that the human eye can't see.
beyond the veil and say God brought out the beloved in him. It don't look like it tonight, but God's bringing out the beloved Lord Jesus. How sweet he is. I was over at Pigeon Forge and went to this place where there was a blacksmith. We stood there, I guess, oh, 30, 45 minutes, and he had some hot coals there, and he had a, a iron rod, and he was sticking it in that coals, and he had some billows, and he, he'd pump it, and those coals would get hotter. And he'd get the tip of that rod red hot, and he'd take it out, bring it over on an anvil, and he had a big old hammer. Boom! He'd come down on it, and sparks would fly over. It looked senseless and useless to me. It seemed as though that carelessly, boom, without any intention of doing anything, boom, then he'd put it right back in and pump it some more. He'd bring it back out, boom, and beat on it. We stood there, but the longer we stood there and the longer we watched, we began to see the head the end of that rod began to take form. And so then we began to guess at what it was. And I said to my wife, that's going to be a snake. It's got to be a snake. <laughs> and the more he worked on it, the more I said, it's got to be a snake. And, but it started taking a different form. And I said, well, maybe it's not going to be a snake. What is it going to be? And, and just about when he had it completed, I hadn't been looking around. I was so concentrated on him. I looked over here and I saw where he had finished the complete body of a turtle. And just about that time, he finished up with what was the turtle's head, cut it off and laid her right in there. And friends, she fit just perfect. He was bringing a turtle's head for a body out of that piece of steel. But I thought, whoa, that's a hard way to bring it out. And I'm here to tell you tonight, when God's bringing Jesus out of you, you know what he does? He puts you in the hot coals. And then he begins to blow the wind on it. And you think, man, this is the most terrible thing I've ever... He can't know what he's doing. Then he'll bring you out and lay you on the anvil of the Word of God and take the hammer of the Word of God and hold room and sparks will fly in And you'll think it's all over. But when it is all over, you will find a finished product. And that is, the sweetness of the Lord Jesus Christ will be the fragrance of your life. And if you don't believe that so, you find a dear old saint that has walked with God through the years. And as a result of her troubles and trials, you would think it would have worn her away that she's more like Jesus. Got a fragrance about her. A freshness. We got a dear sister with She made us some tea today. Shouted around here the other night. I'm telling God's able to bring that out. I say to you that he's still working on me. He's bringing out the beast. But it was for the best because he brought out and is bringing out the beloved. Every day, though I don't realize it, they're coming more like Jesus. Here's a little poem I picked up years ago. You probably heard it, but it goes hand in hand with this. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors 
he worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and high and foolish pride forget that he sees the upper, and I only the underside. It's not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads, they are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. When it's over, God's got one thing in mind, and that's Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Let's stand by our heads. Save today. Then for you, child of God, don't you want to be like Jesus? Maybe you'd like to join us around this altar and say, Lord Jesus, I don't understand the fullness of what's happening in my life, but somehow, would you bring Jesus out of me? Lord, would you let my children see Jesus in me? My neighbors see Jesus in me? My wife see Jesus in me? My husband see Jesus in me? My grand youngins see Jesus in me? The folks that I work around, Lord, let them see the blessed Son of God, the Lord Jesus, in me. as we sing tonight.